the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you had a great weekend. Today is Monday, January the 24th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 24, 1989, confessed serial killer Theodore Bundy. Remember Ted Bundy? He was executed in Florida's electric chair. Today in the year 41, shortly after declaring himself to be a god, Caligula was assassinated by two Praetorian tribunes, or part of the the, uh, Praetorian Guard. In the Republic of Rome, that's what they did. If you professed yourself to be a god and they didn't believe you, they just killed you. Today, when people in our republic, when they proclaim themselves to be God, we worship them. Too often, we take their advice. We wear a mask, we don't wear a mask. You know what I'm talking about. Today in 1939, representatives from three Connecticut towns band together to write the, what they called, Fundamental Orders. That was actually the first constitution, so to speak, in the New World. Today in 1848, James Marshall discovered a gold nugget at Sutter's Mill. He was a business partner of Sutter, founded in Sutter's Mill. That's in Northern California, as most of you know. That discovery led to the gold rush of 49. The 49ers came for gold. Today in 1965, Winston Churchill, he died in London. He was 90 years old. Today in 1978, a nuclear-powered Soviet satellite, Cosmos 954, they called it, it plunged through Earth's atmosphere, it disintegrated, it scattered radioactive debris all over northern Canada. Today in 1984, Apple Computer began selling its first Macintosh model. The ads boasted that it had a built-in 9-inch monochrome display, a clock rate of 8 megahertz, and it had a bunch of memory. It had 128K of RAM. <clears throat> We've progressed, as they say, since then. Today, in 1985, the space shuttle Discovery, it was launched from Cape Canaveral on the first secret all-military shuttle mission. Today, in 2013, Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, he announced the lifting of a ban on women serving in combat. He said, we must put our mothers, our wives, and our sisters out on the front lines so they can be just like the men. Today in 2020, health officials in Chicago said a woman in her 60s had become the second U.S. patient diagnosed with a new virus that was emerging from Wuhan, China. We had no idea what the next couple of years would hold, did we? But that has unfolded before our eyes in so many different ways. Interestingly enough, speaking of all of the ways in which this 
Wuhan virus has spread out across our country and the impact that it's had on every part of our life. Former NBA star, the uh, Spokesman Review, Spokane, Washington, Spokesman Review, it ran an article, and now it's a national article. Other uh, news sources have picked up on the article because it's kind of interesting. Former NBA star John Stockton, who is pretty well known around the Northwest here, he, uh, I don't know him, but I've, I've seen him around a lot. And we used to go to Priest Lake in northern Idaho uh, every summer. Uh, we'd spend time there and um, used to see him up there. He had a, had a house. He probably still does uh, at Priest Lake. Everybody seemed to really like him and seemed to be a really likable guy. Well, anyway, uh, the uh, Spokesman Review says that Stockton, university's most famous alumni, he probably is, too. He kind of put Gonzaga on the map as far as basketball is concerned, and, and they have really great teams. But anyway, Stockton was a part of that some years ago and had a great career in the NBA. But anyway, uh, he the Spokesman Review said he's probably their most famous alumni, they took his season tickets away from him. They revoked his season tickets because he won't wear a mask at the home games. He goes to the home games of Gonzaga. Uh, the paper says the famed Utah Jazz point guard recently told the, uh, the the newspaper, the Spokesman Review, that the school canceled his season tickets because he refused to demand that he uh, the demand that he wear a mask because they said as a prominent a spectator, his mask refusal is conspicuous. And uh, Stockton said, told the, the press, they, they asked him about it. He said, basically, it came down, quoting Stockton, he said, basically, it came down to, they were asking me to wear a mask in the games, being a public figure, someone uh, a little bit more visible. He said, I, they said, I stuck out in the crowd a bit. And he said, therefore, they received complaints and felt like, from whatever the higher-ups, those weren't discussed, but from whatever it was higher-up, they were going to have to either ask me to wear a mask or they were going to suspend my tickets. The story goes on, but it, clearly he didn't wear a mask, so they have suspended his tickets. I don't know if that was a smart move or not. I mean, I don't know much about Gonzaga uh, and the running of it. But it seems like an odd decision to make on one of their most prominent alumni and um, um, <laughs> a guy that probably gives a lot of money to the school as well. I don't know that, but I would suspect that that's the case. But we do live in a very confused world, and there's so much that doesn't seem right about what's going on in our world today. Paul had <clears throat> some of the same experiences in his day. He wrote, to the church in Corinth. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. The message? Yes, there are troubles. We live in a troubled world. But don't be perplexed. Don't be distressed. Don't be in despair. Do not feel forsaken. Do not feel cast down. You will not be destroyed. That's the message to the church in his time and in our time. That is the word of the Lord. The prophet Nahum said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust him. 
The psalmist said, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast cast down, thou hast known my soul in adversities. God is in control and God knows everything that's going on in this world. And he is the only one. Caligula tried to become a god. That did not work out for him. And when we try to displace God, maybe innocently so in our own lives, by trying to get control of everything we don't understand, we end up in despair and being perplexed and so on. And report after report after report, poll after poll after poll shows that America anxiety is spiking in America. People are anxious. They're, they're stressed out. They're depressed. They're discouraged, many of them, in our, in our culture today, primarily because of the just the re- unrelenting um, presence of this virus that we don't say came from Wuhan because we don't want to offend the Communist Party. But all of this and all of its impact on, on the culture and, and people, individuals and people groups and so on, and how it's been used to amass power by the elites, it all can get very perplexing, depressing, <laughs> discouraging, and all of that. But our strength does not come from the circumstances in our lives. Our strength comes from the Lord. And let's keep that front and center in our thinking. The headline in the Ventura County Star, County newspaper, it read, quote, California should abolish parenthood in the name of equity. Three days later, the San Francisco Chronicle read, ran the same headline. California should force parents to give away their children. You may recall that Two years ago, Black Lives Matter, after outrage from the public, scrubbed a page on their website. I talked about it at, in some depth on this program. I wrote about it at the time as well in our Faith and Freedom daily article that we publish on our own website. And it's republished sometimes by other people. It's widely read. But they scrubbed a page on their website that said their mission was to, quote, dismantle the patriarchal practice of the nuclear family. Now, a nuclear family is one male, biological male, that's called a father, and one biological female that's referred to as the mother. The two of them come together in marriage, and they have kids. That has become known as the nuclear family, but that's under attack now. Once again, there's a renewed discussion about the usefulness of the traditional biblical family model. But it's interesting how the response played out on this article. Listen up now carefully. When this uh, Joe Matthews, he's with an organization called Zacolo Public Square. Um, when this Joe Matthews wrote this article, it was published in Ventura County, Country, uh, County Star, suggesting that California should abolish parenthood to achieve true equity, other news sources immediately republished it. Stay with me. Three days later, after it was in the County Star, the San Francisco Chronicle published it. 
Others followed in California and across the nation. Matthews, among other things, was quoting Plato. Plato had adopted Socrates' sage advice in his work, The Republic. Many of us, most of us are familiar with that. Matthew says, children, quoting uh, Plato, children should be possessed uh, in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child his parents. Plato did say that. It's in his work, in the Republic. This, Matthew noted in his article, was said to be necessary in order to defeat nepotism, prevent amassing great fortunes, and create citizens loyal not to their sons, but to society. What he was saying in his article was that because we are committed to equity in our country, we must dispose of the family notion of the male father, the female mother. They come together. They have relations. They have children. We call that the family. We must dispose of that, abolish that, he was saying in his article, because... Because sometimes those family units function so well that they can amass wealth. And then that wealth is passed to their children, and their children have wealth which equals advantages that the other kid doesn't have down the street somewhere. And so equity is left on it standing on its head. They don't have equity. So in order to achieve equity, because that is the end goal of the secular progressive, we must get rid of the family unit. Well, if you're coming from the worldview, the secular progressive worldview, you go, hmm, that, you know, that, that makes sense. And that's why these newspapers grabbed this article and ran with it. They were publishing it. The San Francisco Chronicle. They're going, yeah, 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 this is what this guy said. Well, <laughs> he goes on in, in the article. Matthews writes, Governor Gavin Newsom should formulate a new policy that would require parents to hand over their babies. Quoting Plato again. The solution, Matthew said in the article, of the equity problem is to make raising your own children illegal. He said we need to have a law that would, he he suggested we call the law universal orphanhood so that everybody is equal. Every child born is an orphan. They don't have the advantage of some being part of a family, some of which has more money, and some families have less money, so therefore there's no equity. Here's the problem. Matthews wrote this article as satire. In his own way, he was mocking the left by calling on Newsom to abolish parenthood in favor of equity. Because that's where this nonsense leads. They are so dumbed down in their thinking, the press, they just grabbed this story and ran with it. Finally, Michael Barone, who knows this guy's as Matthew's parents, they went to college together, he says. Michael Barone has been around a long time. He's not a, like a hard right conservative, but he's kind of moderate, but he, he's a conservative, I guess. But anyway, he wrote an article explaining how uninformed people missed the whole point of it. And when you look at it from that perspective, you can see that they, in fact, did. The concern that every biblical Christian and conservative should have is that there are people in this country that are poised to do just that, given the opportunity. And they saw this satirical article 
written by a guy, Matthews. They saw that as an opportunity to advance, quoting someone else, to advance their agenda. Boy, I'll tell you, people in our country, some in powerful offices, they saw this satire as the next step in becoming a more perfect union, as they like to say. Would anyone actually agree that equity trumps the family? Yeah, they would. A lot of them do. Back in 2020, Black Lives Matter began their vertical rise to prominence, raising, I don't know, $100, $200 million. I I can't remember the amounts, but they were staggering. People turned to their website to learn more about them. The New York Post wrote an article that I talked about on this program a couple of years ago. They discovered that the BLM website said this about traditional family. I'm quoting. That's what it said then. Black Lives Matter said this on their website. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. After the New York Post read an expose on this, a prominent NFL sportscaster, former football player, professional football player, he kind of challenged the statement in passing, publicly, on the air. Black Lives Matter immediately scrubbed it off their site, and of course ESPN went after the guy who said that. The New York Post noted at the time that this idea is a tenet of Marxism, and it is, which has always sought to dismantle the nuclear family and hand over the children to the state or to the government. The founders of Black Lives Matter have publicly declared that they are, both of them are lesbian, but both of them are trained by Marxists. Do you remember Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village? It was written quite a long time ago. I think it was, I read the book, I I think it was 1996, I'm guessing. But I I think it was 1996. It was right in there somewhere. It was, it's more than 20 years ago. But anyway, in the book, there's one section that's specifically focused on the notion that it takes a village to raise a child. And this, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child is, essentially an African proverb that means that an entire community of people must interact with children for those children to grow in a safe and healthy environment and so on. So Hillary adopted it and made it kind of her theme song. I think the problem is she's probably been to Africa. I'm sure she has been, but she was probably surrounded by, you know, guards and people to protect her and stayed at the Ritz-Carlton and in blah, blah, blah city. I mean, they have some of those, Johannesburg or wherever. And she probably never was really in a village. I don't know that, but most of the people who follow this kind of thinking haven't been in the villages. With all due respect, I have been. And I've been there not once. I wasn't on a cruise ship that pulled up to a cordoned off place where people come out in their traditional African attire and entertain you while you drink lemonade or whatever. I'm talking about in the real villages, in the dark demonic corners of the continent. I've been there. I've lived with the people for not a lengthy time, but at periods of time in their homes sometimes. 
with a dirt floor. And you can sense the power, the demonic power. Those villages are not at all what this proverb was about and what Hillary made of it in her it takes a village thing. That is all a big lie. Just trust me. I've been there. I know. I knew the people back in the day. But nonetheless, if you read her book, as I did, it starts at a flawed premise. Government is not a village. Parents don't need government bureaucrats and federal programs to raise their children. And the people in the village where that little saying came from, they don't believe that. And they're not a diverse village, as she says in her book, that they are. She said, we must have a diverse village that raises our children so that they know everybody else's beliefs and so on. That Those villages aren't diverse. If anything, they're incestuous. Cousins marry cousins and have kids and on and on it goes. They're not diverse. They're the most not diverse place I've ever been in the world. It's all based on a lie. Families don't need more government. They need the government to back off and take their hands off our children and off the family and off God's model for the family. Children need a mother who is a woman, a father who is a man married to one another to raise a child. They need a biblically-based church and a pastor, and they need an extended family. That would be optimum, but they don't always have that. That's God's plan for humanity. Hillary, according to her book, believes that any attempt to return to the good old days is naive and flawed. She mocks the good old days in her book. And across the border, across the the table, the left mocks godly principles. At the time she published that, the former Secretary of Education, Bill Bennett, had put out an index of leading cultural indicators. That's what he called it back then. I don't know him, but I've met him a few times. Nice guy, really smart. In fact, I introduced him at a banquet where I spoke a little bit, was invited to speak, and he was the main speaker. And I said my piece, and then I introduced him. So he and I had a good chat, but boy, he's impressive, smart guy. But anyway, he wrote this index of leading cultural indicators, which compared social statistics from 1960 to the publishing, and like I said, it was in the late, I think it was 1996, when this village book came out. He was directly addressing that. The population had increased 41%. However, crime had increased 300%, according to to, uh, Bill Bennett at the time. The violent crime had increased 560%. The legitimate birth rate, illegitimate birth rate, excuse me, had increased 400%. The number of divorces had more than doubled and the number of children in single-parent homes had tripled. All these indicators are worse today than they were then. And the policies that took us there culturally were birthed by the so-called progressives. And they continue to cling to those failed ideas and destructive ideas about culture. That's why I speak out about these things. It's not uncommon for someone to say to me, sometimes a friend, Gary, I just can't believe you're so involved in politics. I'm not. If I were involved in politics, I would run for office. I would kind of enjoy that, to be honest with you. I've even prayed about it in the past, not recently. I've never felt God really wanted me to run for office, but I kind of wanted to. But I'm, I'm not running for anything. I'm coming at this from a 
pastor's point of view, from a Christian point of view. These people are putting in place principles that are destructive. And for the Christian to push it aside and say, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Politics are dirty. Yes, they are. They're filthy. That's why we should be involved in politics. And if God speaks to your heart to run, run for office. Get involved. Influence the people that are in office. Pray for them, yes, but talk to them as well. I'll tell you, this is going on, and the the whole move to abolish or remove the family is not just Hillary Clinton or back to the Roman Republic. It's now. A Denver elementary school announced Friday they're going to be having, Denver Elementary School, they're going to be having a Black Lives Matter event teaching kindergartens, first graders, to disrupt, these are their words, disrupt the nuclear family and recognize trans antagonistic violence. That begins January 31st through February 4th. That's next week, if you're not looking at your calendar. The school is in the district of, of Denver Public Schools. It plans to host this week of action, they're calling it. Centennial Elementary School announced its plans to participate. The Black Lives Matter is leading it. They're having this thing for preschool and kindergarten. I'm not kidding you. One of the 13 Black Lives Matter guiding principles the elementary school mentions that they're going to be highlighting is going to teach globalism, which is defined as our ability to see how we are impacted or privileged within the black global village. Another one outlined by the school is called Black Villages, or the disruption of Western nuclear family dynamics and return to the collective village that takes care of each other. That's right out of Hillary's book. And it goes on. There's a lot more there. A Pennsylvania school school board member said to parents on Friday, on Friday, York Suburban School District, he said, some members of my community appear to interrupt the part, to interpret the part of the board meetings as the occasion to tell board members why they have a collective intelligence of a village idiot and how the school district ought to be addressing real problems. He said, this is a school board member, York, Pennsylvania, on Friday. He said, with all due respect to the men and women who snarl, I'm a taxpayer, you work for me. No, I don't work for you. I was elected by people who voted to represent you. It is not the same thing. You may be surprised to learn that every member of the school board is a taxpayer, too. I come from a long line of taxpayers. He also said that he did not believe that parents know what is best for their children and suggested that if children disagree, they can move their child to another school district. And on and on he goes. His name is something Robinson. That's happening as we speak in real time. That's why the people jumped on this thing, including the San Francisco Chronicle. They jumped on this satirical article because they thought this guy was really advocating that when he was, in fact, mocking them. But it shows how they are poised to try to abolish the nuclear family. Daniel Webster, the great senator of the past, said, Let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought here by the high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light and labored in its hope. We have forgotten, but we are called to remember and to remind people 
of why America has been so blessed. Hey, thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.